My name is Alan Smithson, your host for the XR for Business podcast, where we interview industry leaders who are either making or using immersive virtual, augmented, and mixed reality solutions for business. From marketing to sales, to logistics and training, to design and remote collaboration, learn how the world's largest organizations are implementing an XR for Business strategy and why you should too. The XR for Business podcast is brought to you by my employer, Metaverse, a global leader in XR strategy and product development. Metaverse has a range of products to help you leverage this transformative power of virtual, augmented, and mixed reality in your company. Today's guest is Roy DeBoff, Managing Director and Head of Content Innovation and Strategy for Extended Reality, that's VR, AR, and MR, at Accenture Interactive. Rory is a strategic and innovations leader with over 20 years experience working in digital marketing, integrated media, creative brand advertising, and emerging technologies. As a virtual, augmented, and mixed reality evangelist, Rory advises companies on strategy and marketing opportunities for brand and business transformation. Prior to Accenture, Rory was global head of digital strategy and executive vice president at Havas Media Group, where she led and managed strategic planning worldwide with a focus on digitally integrated marketing communications and innovation. Previous to that, Rory was a partner and director of strategy at Ogilvy, where she focused on developing digital marketing strategies for health, retail, and media industries. Rory holds an MBA from NYU Stern School of Business and a BA from the University of Pennsylvania. She's a regular public speaker, contributing writer for Ad Age, Guardian, Campaign US, Media Post, and a jury member for the Cannes Lions. With that, I mean, what more can I say? Rory, welcome to the show. And Rory, I just want to let people know that they can find you on Accenture.com, A-C-C-E-N-T-U-R-E.com, and they can follow you on Twitter, Rory Duboff, at R-O-R-I-D-U-B-O-F-F. Rory, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to, nice to be joining. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm really excited. I want to just I want to dive right in and get an understanding of maybe what Accenture Interactive does and what your role there is and how you're helping businesses kind of use these virtual, augmented, and mixed reality technologies across their enterprise. Sure. So Accenture Interactive is part of the larger Accenture consulting company. So Accenture is a very large uh, technology and strategy company with over 400,000 employees worldwide. Uh, Accenture Interactive was developed, I think, about five, a little bit more than five years ago to focus more on the brand experiences that a lot of our clients were looking to develop in terms of engaging customers. So within Accenture Interactive, we focus on user journeys, on strategy, on experiences, on marketing. Um, and we've more recently in the last, I guess, two years, been looking at this new space of extended reality. And uh, extended reality is the term that we are using at Accenture. And I think across the industry, others are also using this term XR to sort of include virtual reality, augmented reality, 3D experiences, all different types of experiences that blend the digital and physical worlds and work on extending your reality. So would, would uh, things like uh, computer vision and machine learning, uh, would that fit, you know, would you kind of bundle those under XR as well? Yeah, absolutely. Those are critical technologies that we are looking at in terms of uh, making uh, you know, VR and AR experiences smarter, more personalized. So Accenture has different groups, like a group dedicated to artificial intelligence, to things like cloud computing. 
um, and machine learning, the part of artificial intelligence. And we work together to sort of use those technologies uh, within the immersive experience area. Incredible. So let's kind of dive in. And what are some of the best examples that you are, your team has worked on in this type of role? So you're, you're meeting with a customer, you're saying, hey, you know, we've got a solution for you, or is it, is it a joint thing? How does the process work when you start to engage with a customer and, and, and work with them on that? Sure. So I'd say uh, about two years ago, I think a lot of the time with, with our clients was spent on educating people on what VR is, on what AR is. And it's a year later, I think a lot of our clients sort of understand that now. They get that there are these VR headsets out there. Not all of them have tried it, but they understand that what the technology is. And with, with augmented reality, especially with, with the growth in mobile augmented reality, I think people are more aware now um, of what these technologies are. So now what we focus on when we, when we speak with clients is the use case development. So we figure out these technologies, how can they be used? And so for our retail clients, we've been talking around different areas uh, in terms of how do you develop a mobile augmented reality strategy to drive growth through retail. So that could be creating filters um, or lenses to, for product visualization. It could also be around planning the future uh, uh, retail store and using planograms to sort of set up spaces for future uh, retail. We also speak with automotive manufacturers around how they can start marketing and merchandising future um, car models that might not even be done yet, but through the use of these new technology experiences that let us create 3D models of, of the car and sort of uh, market them to, to potential um, customers before they might even arrive in the showroom. So, we're, so lot, can we unpack that a bit? Because yeah. that, I think, is an incredible use case, being able to start selling something before it even exists. And yeah. I mean, you can always sell things with, with 2D diagrams and pitch decks and stuff, but really uh, what you're talking about is a completely new thing. Yes. So we were at uh, South by Southwest this year in March, at the end of March. And, you know, a lot of the stuff we were showing is exactly that. We had uh, for DuPont Corian, which is a client of ours, we had an experience uh, that showed uh, the bathroom can bathroom vanities uh, that you're able to, to look at and place inside of uh, your own space, similar to what Ikea is doing and Amazon, you know, uh, there's a whole growth around that area in terms of product visualization, especially for, for, for larger, more expensive items that people want to be able to see in their own homes. And so we had, you know, advanced opportunity to start showing some of those potential items before they might be available in store. We also had for Kendra Scott, which is a jewelry maker, the ability to try on earrings. Now, some of those models uh, you could buy now, but I'm not, to be honest, I'm not sure if all of them were, were you could able, you could purchase them now, or maybe some of them were, were exclusively um, advanced uh, to be able to see there. So you're seeing companies kind of test out, be able to test out the demand and interest in products and sell them and then adapt their inventory based upon how people, you know, what their experience is like trying them on virtually before they might even be physically built. So let me ask you a quick question from an ROI standpoint. So how much you can give ballpark numbers in in this case, but how much would, you know, something like this, let's say for example, I'm a jewelry maker and I want to be able to try on necklaces and earrings and, you know, I want to have 
I don't know, a hundred of my earrings on this? What would something like that cost? And what, you know, what are the, the ROIs that you're seeing? Like, what is the, the return on that? So for example, if it costs, uh, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars to be able to put my, my hundred earrings, what is the uptick that you're seeing in sales? Is there a, is there a specific you know, rise in, in revenues that you're seeing because of this technology? So I can answer that question in terms of the different, um, variables that go into what the ROI would look like, but I unfortunately can't answer the, the actual numbers right now because a lot of this stuff is completely new. It's not, you know, the, the models haven't been fully developed and we haven't actually gone out and evaluated the returns. What you have to look about when you're creating these sort of experiences though is the quality of the models and then the ROI based on that. So we as an industry are still trying to figure out, we know that uh, for like the automotive space, for instance, the quality of a model that you're creating or the actual car that you're experiencing, the higher the quality, the more realistic the car looks and the end investment in a car, you know, you can talk between 20, 30, $40,000. So the kind of the process justifies the means at the end with things like jewelry, you have to look at, you know, how much the quality of the model. And when I say model, I mean the actual physical replica or we call digital model that you're looking at in the virtual space so the quality can vary. It can be, you know, some virtual objects can be lower quality, like a Coke bottle. How much are you going to spend in terms of creating the replica of a Coke bottle versus an earring? Is it a diamond earring? Do you need to make it like, you know, uber, uber exact? So when someone tries it on the virtual space, they need to have, you know, intense uh, detail around it. So those are the, the kind of levers that we're trying to look at in terms of figuring out the costs into going into creating these experiences based upon the value of the object and how much it could be sold for. And then that dictates how much effort goes into create the creation. But we're not at the point right now where we can give uh, ROI figures, unfortunately. It's, it's interesting because a lot of clients, you know, and I'm sure you get this every day, they say, hey, you know, we love this thing, we want it, but who else is doing it and how much does it cost and what's my return on investment? And you're like, nobody else is doing it. We're not really sure how much it's going to cost, and we have no idea on the return. Still want to pay? You still want to buy it? Well, so it's one of those. I say I, I understand that, but I, you know, I think that this is where I go into the sort of the analogy with you know the digital space. Whereas, you know, it's not just about replicating exactly what you're doing; it's about rethinking how you're doing things. So, you know, companies like when the web came along, or sorry, the mobile space. Let's be more specific. Companies like Uber or Lyft didn't exist. Right. And if a taxi company said, well, can I save money by you know, creating a mobile app? You know, you would never have had an Uber or Lyft that were created. So I think part of it is figuring out a new channel. And I 100 percent believe that the immersive space is just like the web space or the mobile space in the sense it will overtake everything and there'll be no opportunity to say no if you want to stay competitive. But I also think you need to say, well, how am I doing business now? Am I you know, maybe there's an opportunity to create even more custom offerings or more personalized offerings that never would have existed if you didn't have the opportunity to give people to virtually try things on. Well, I think you you nailed it there. And, you know, people that are listening, if you're looking to use these technologies and you're thinking, you know, should I wait? Should I, you know, what is your recommendation to people that, that say, hey, you know, why don't, uh, why don't we just wait and see? Because, you know, with mobile and with web, there was always this wait and see. And I think the problem that people don't understand is that 
you know, web came and it took, you know, 10, 15 years to kind of mature. Mobile took another 10 years to mature. Virtual augmented mixed reality or extended realities are happening much faster. So what do you say to, or how do you kind of overcome that objection where people say, well, we're just going to wait and see yeah, rather than yeah. determine? No, and it's it's a common a common thing. I think the, the way to look at it is to think incrementally. And so, you know, you, we're not... You don't have to jump to go buying a you know three to five thousand dollar headset and creating some really complicated experience that only five people can use. There right now with with the mobile phone, there are so many cool, interesting experiences that that uh, brands are doing just with augmented reality through filters on Snap or Facebook or Instagram that are getting a whole new generation of what we call I guess Gen Z excited and really really engaged. And the results on that, you know, in terms of engagement, drive to purchase, we did some data uh, research recently with Superdata, which is part of Nielsen now, on the increase of likelihood to purchase through mobile uh, augmented reality, uh, even virtual reality, you know, mobile virtual reality on on a headset like an Oculus Go, which is $200. So I say first, don't think like, you know, uber complicated, start off more simple, not simple in idea and not simple in strategy, but maybe more simple in technology um, and start understanding how, you know, those incremental changes, you have an email, you could potentially add augmented reality to it. You have video that you're doing, maybe think about how 360 video could to enhance the experience or bring it a step uh further. So that's what I would say is that you have to start moving into that space because we are shifting from a world of everything being flat and 2D content oriented to a world in which people will be expecting more and more things to be 3D, rotatable, uh, modular, and that's where everyone needs to be headed or you will be left out completely in the future. I agree. It's uh, you, you said it very eloquently. Um, so Let's kind of go a little bit personal on, on what you know you think is some of the the greatest uh, examples because I really you know there's tons and tons of examples out there. Last week, Game of Thrones had you know a snap a snap filter where you could take the flat iron building and drop a dragon on top, and you know Nike had a, a snap uh, filter where LeBron James comes out of a poster and slam dunks in your space. There's been all sorts of amazing marketing. You know, Burger King allowed you to point your phone at a competitor's ad, it would catch on fire and they give you a free Whopper all in augmented reality. So these are some really cool filters and, and uh, experiences that are being done from the phone, from the mobile device in everybody's hand. And this has instant scale. I mean, by the end of this year, we'll have approximately 2 billion smart devices that will be AR enabled. So what are some of the best examples that you've seen or maybe done? Well, you you named all three, and I knew all of them. And I'm thinking, is it because I'm just in the industry that I'm uber focused on that? Probably, um, but I guess I remember all three of those, especially since I live right near the Flatiron. And I thought, oh my god, I you know I should I need to go replicate that same experience that I saw posted on Twitter with the, the dragon sort of soaring through. So cool. It was yeah, really really cool. Um, and I and you, know, you asked me if I can recommend uh, remember any commercials or or some more of the traditional media, and I'd be lost. You know, I, I guess in many respects those are just kind of cool experiences, and I stopped even thinking about them as as advertising. Uh, I, I to your point, we're seeing 
a lot of really interesting, smart uses of augmented reality on the mobile phone and getting people to explore and try and pay attention to to brands that maybe they might not normally. I mean, all of those brands also have a, a high sort of engagement rate. But um, I think that that path of, of start using more and more the, the opportunity to engage people through AR, um, through the phone, is going to be a continued path of opportunity for a lot of different brands. We are in discussions uh, around that, uh, a few interesting projects. Um, I think that, you know, some of the other spaces beyond mobile augmented reality that we're also seeing uh, a lot of potential interesting use cases um, are around virtual reality as well. So mm -hmm. uh, what I've been impressed with is a lot of brands that we've had taking another look at VR about two or three years ago, a lot of people were using virtual reality for branded content. And I think we hit a sort of saturation point where a lot of people were questioning, what am I doing with this medium? Um, why am I spending all this money? What's the return I'm getting on it? So they, they pivoted to mobile AR, which is a little bit more accessible, not a little bit, a lot more accessible. And, you're seeing the results and the reach is pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm excited to see that continue and the connection to commerce we're going to be seeing evolve as well. So you're starting going to start seeing a higher return on investment because through the mobile phone and a lot of those experiences, uh, the connection to commerce and the ability to purchase and buy uh, through those lenses. So you see a product and immediately be able to buy it. So that I'm excited for that path moving forward yeah i think um well pretty much everybody so i would say google is leading the way with this but uh with google lens being able to take your phone out open the camera point it at a pair of shoes and it will tell you exactly where to buy those shoes instantly from your phone i think the camera as a uh, as a lens to to commerce is really becoming powerful yes so you know yes exactly and 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 instagram as well so you're going to be yeah. doing a lot of that so I think Google's leading Snapchat's also doing it. So I, I think it, one of the things that you know brands have to understand is, you know, all these big platforms, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, these platforms have users already there and they've created they've made it fairly simple and fairly easy to, for brands to create these new experiences using, you know, the Snap Lens Studio or uh, Facebook Spark, which is their, yeah. you know, AR development platform. Are you finding that brands are starting to kind of try to do things in-house or are they still looking for advice and help uh, with, with pulling this together? Yeah, I, th I think that there's still a, um, and a need to understand these technologies. And there's also the, the creative teams that go about producing it. And so we don't see, I think there, there, we don't see a massive amount of resource yet in this space. I think that, you know, the new generation of talent, say if you were, you know, studying right now, creative developer, uh, understanding. I mean, these don't necessarily all require Unity or Unreal, which are the software programs, um, the game engines that, that often power a lot of this interactivity and experience. But there's a need to, to have more talent to help with it and to strategically think through why and how can I use augmented reality. 
uh, I think we're still stuck in that, you know, frame where it's like, how do I move the same content I have into a 3D experience? And what we need to do is kind of rethink through what's the best use of the medium. So I, I do think that there's a lot of excitement and interest amongst our clients, and some of them have in-house teams. But at the end of the day, there's also a lot of external uh, specialty companies and, and groups that are, that are helping, and, and we're looking to do that as well. And to also connect it into the broader ecosystem, right? So if you want to do commerce with AR, how does it tie to your backend inventory? How does it tie to your personalization efforts? How does it tie to the broader system uh, in store uh, so it's not just fragmented? And I think when we look to immersive technology, what we try to remember is what we've learned from the past, which is you don't want to go out and just create, you know, a standalone experience. You want it to be connected to the rest of the ecosystem. And, you know, you asked earlier on about challenges in terms of this moving forward. I'd say one of the biggest challenges um, is making sure that we're thinking about immersive as part of a larger system of engagement as part of a larger system of experience versus a one-off because if it's just a one-off it's not going to thrive long term i agree and you know some of the other interviews i've done on the show have been around the enterprise applications so you know factories uh training that type of thing and it really comes down to a lot of companies have done a ton of uh, proof of concepts or pocs a lot of trials but when it really comes down to it, you have to make sure that whatever it is you're doing uh, with VR, AR, uh, MR, whatever it is you're doing has to synchronize with your current systems at scale. And I think that's really where we're at in this kind of this world is everybody's done the POCs. They've realized the value. They're like, OK, this is great. It increases our sales by 20 percent. It you know uh, increases conversions. We're, we're all in. Now, how do we make sure that this is a seamless uh, integration to our, you know, our content management systems or our retail systems. And, you know, one of the companies that is really leading the way right now is Shopify. Uh, they've been pushing kind of towards VR and AR applications for, you know, for several years. And, and they've, um, they've just recently uh, introduced their 3D view uh, platform where you can take your, a 3D model of your product and host it on their website. And now customers, instead of clicking through six photographs to see the product, they can see one 3D object, spin it around, open it up, and eventually they'll be able to hit a button and see that product in their space, whether it be on their you know dining room table or on the floor or whatever it is. So I think that the integration is is key. One of the things that you know we you kind of mentioned was kind of marketing versus experiences, and the last one I would add to that is utilitarian use cases. Um, there's we're starting to see some really interesting use cases of AR, especially with the mobile phone that allow people to maybe measure uh, a table or a room. What are some of the utilitarian use cases that you've seen that kind of made you go, wow, that, that's a really good use case? So, I mean, I, I've seen the, the Measure the Phone app and, you know, um, I, utilitarian, I, I think of a kind of connection to mobile AR. So the Bose AR headset, uh, frames, excuse me, which I bought a pair of, I don't know if you've tried them, they see the audios haven't are they good they're amazing i mean uh, yeah i keep hearing about them i, I gotta get yeah, a pair of bows if you're yeah. listening send me a pair of these glasses they're amazing <laughs> um i listen to the the news and music on them every day um as i'm walking around the city and nobody has any idea you know which is just great for people who don't want headphones uh you know in your ears 
or don't like the feeling of headphones, which is, I'm one of those. It's, it's awesome. So, you know, as soon as it's synchronized with my Google maps, which um, actually it could be right now, I could play the Google maps with my ears. I haven't tried that yet, but maps, I think like, you know, in terms of maps, instead of having to hold up your phone, but being able to walk around and your phone, your, your glasses um, say, you know, turn left, turn right. That to me will, is a very smart use case. The struggle with some of the utilitarian um, uses on mobile AR right now is that you're still holding up your phone. And that's why I think AR on the enterprise side has succeeded for utility because it's glasses, which are more expensive, but you're hands-free. So utility with mobile AR, where you have to hold your phone, yes, you can do some things, but they're still having to hold the phone, which kind of you know, holds back a little bit in terms of being totally focused on utility um, and hands-free. You already mentioned some of the use cases of with Google Lens and being able to, um, you know, identify objects. We talked about placing furniture in your space or other large items for sizing. Those are really smart use cases. Um, for creativity, there's some really cool stuff you can do, like in terms of, you know, sketching or drawing or, or designing overlays onto um, the space around you, which is also very smart. But what surprisingly, I think for utility, just to, to jump back to the virtual reality space, we've seen, you know, in the immersive learning area, VR has, is huge growth around utility or immersive learning. I'm kind of putting in the category of utility because it's, it's productivity, right? So we're seeing that people were questioning in VR you know, is this ever going to take off? Is it just gaming? And in the consumer world, it might not be taking off as much, but in the enterprise space, there's a massive, massive amount of interest. So, you know, retail- well, it's, hard to, it's hard to argue when, you know, companies like Boeing and Walmart start releasing their statistics and they're saying, yeah, we, we have a 45% increase in retention rates and near zero error rates when using AR glasses and, and VR training. Yep. And you're sitting there going, okay, as an enterprise, even if you got you know 10% increase in uh, in anything, you're going to adopt that technology. But when you're seeing 25 to 50% increases in you know right across the board with this technology, it's impossible to ignore. Yeah. So one of the areas that we've been you know, investing and exploring and developing a lot around is immersive uh, learning and training. And we actually launched uh, a project in the fall of last year called Avenues, which is Accenture Virtual Reality uh, Experience Solution. Uh, it's uh, spelled Avenues, like A-V-E-N-U-E-S. And it's for social care. Um, and it's to train social care workers in using virtual reality. Um, and the situation that we we launched was a 360 live action uh, voice-based um, experience. So you basically, you're in a scene with, uh, uh, with, with parents, sorry, and you're trying to identify whether the child should be placed in foster care. And you have a, a real interview where you interview and you speak and engage with the family. And it won, it's, it won an award at the um, Barcelona Mobile World Congress. It was up for an award at South by, and we're actually building out that platform. And it's been so successful. We're getting results in now, so we'll be able to share those soon. In terms of knowledge retention, engagement, preparing social care workers for real life experiences, and 
you know, just to. What a great use case. (laughs) You know, let's just kind of stop for a second and take away all the technology. You're enabling social care workers to make better decisions in high stress areas for children. That is, that's just amazing. I have, I have read that, uh, that case study and I will put it in the show notes for anybody who wants to read it as well. I'll put a link. And I think one of the the most important things that the team, the the health and public services team that we worked with on this pointed out, and I I actually owe it to them because now I take it away with me and I think about it, and it came up earlier when we were speaking, is this idea that there's the headset on experience and the headset off experience. And Mm -hmm. you can't think about it as here's just a VR experience to solve a solution. It's the VR experience wrapped into a bigger strategy and other materials and a larger experience that's going to have impact and success. So, you know, we're succeeding with this because we've created this phenomenal, you know, innovative experience using VR. But there was also a lot of thought and planning around when somebody puts the headset on, what's that whole experience when they take the headset off, what materials are available for them. And how do you support that? So, you know, we're looking at other industries. We're looking, uh, talking to a large retailer in the technology space. We're talking with other um, organizations in the public service and sector. We've also spoke with a financial organization recently. And with all of them, I say, you know, immersive learning, the power we can bring through these, these simulated experience in VR. But let's also think about the broader transformation and broader um, engagement we need to do in your organization to socialize this work, to to educate people on this work, and um, and that's been very successful. Amazing, yeah, because yeah, there's, there's a bit of a stigma around putting a headset on. If you you know, I've done personally, I've done probably 500 events um, showing VR at different uh, trade shows and things, and you know, some people just don't want to put something on their face and be completely isolated from the real world. And I think, you know, there is a bit of a stigma there still, but it's when you see the value that comes out of it, it really shatters that, that stigma fairly quickly. So yeah, it's great work that you guys are doing. I love that. I, that use case. The XR for business podcast is brought to you by my employer metaverse, a global leader in XR strategy and product development. Metaverse has a range of products to help you leverage the transformative power of virtual, augmented, and mixed reality in your company. If you want to keep up to date with all things XR, you can sign up for our daily or weekly newsletter at xrforbusiness.io, xrforbusiness.io. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about kind of some specifics now around, you know, what are the most important things that businesses can do right now to start leveraging the power of, of extended reality or XR technologies? Well, one is, is I think just educating themselves, familiarizing themselves, uh, with, with, with the experience. I think a lot of organizations, um, you know, are, they, they probably just need to go out or have people come in and help them understand what what's there. Because I think, you know, we, we were talking earlier that, you know, we're in the industry, so we are immensely involved and engaged. But the truth is the rest of the world, people day to day, this isn't a top priority for them. You know, um, it's so one is just education, awareness, engagement. 
And then I'd say the second thing is before jumping then right into the technology, sitting down and thinking through what are my current uh, challenges today? What are the current things I'm doing well? Uh, and where? what are the use cases in which my consumers or my employees might benefit from this type of technology? And so instead of thinking, how do I create an AR thing or a VR thing, sort of holistically looking and saying, where does it make sense for me to start thinking about changing the way I communicate, train, uh, sell? And that that's the right mindset, I think, going into this. Because, you know, in as much as I'd love to see more companies do work in, in, in VR, AR, 3D, there are still areas that they need to figure out um, that's just in digital media or digital content before they need to jump here. So figuring out what right, what are the right areas in the organization and, and, and educating themselves um, on the, the technology and its potential is where I'd be focusing. I wouldn't be okay. jump in. With that, what, uh, what do you think is the fastest way for somebody that's listening to then educate themselves? Do you guys offer, you know, strategic workshops? Do you, you know, do you have uh, white papers or case studies? Where would be the best place for people to to get this knowledge and and, and educate themselves? Yeah, so we we like like I guess all consulting companies we do uh, workshops. Uh, we also have a bunch of white papers. I I I post a lot of the work on my SlideShare uh, under Rory Duboff as well about different topics, um, everything ranging from marketing to the ethics of of designing in immersive worlds. Uh, Accenture has a lot of uh, thought leadership online. When people come to me to to ask me how to get involved in the space, like in terms of they're looking to work in the space, you know, I recommend there's a lot of meetups and a lot of uh, groups that you can go to and you know throughout wherever you live. I mean, I, I'm in New York, but other there's other um, cities, Boston, um, on the West Coast as well, Chicago, LA. There's a lot of groups. This kind of space right now is so organic, but so much energy and excitement. It reminds me of the early days of the web. And so people are out there talking and sharing and it's still developing. So um, there's no such thing as experts. You know, I'd say get in now and, and learn. Um, but yeah, so from from people interested in working in the space or just clients that are interested, uh, reach out to me personally. We could certainly conduct a, a workshop or session, and then there's there's a ton of uh, knowledge and literature online through Twitter, through um, if you search search for these topics. Yeah, and I think another resource that uh, that we we don't really touch uh, talked about or you haven't talked about is the VRAR Association. Are you members of that? Yes, we are, we are members of that. That's another you're right organization that has um, events and organizations on a citywide level. Um, so that's something to consider as well. Yes. Yeah, my wife is the president of the VR Air Association Toronto chapter. Oh, awesome! So if you happen to be in Toronto, we have events all the time. Yes, yes. Um, I, Shameless plug. Yeah, no, no. It's but it, the, 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 that's a great organization, and there but there are a lot of people in the space um, looking to to share, to develop knowledge, and and um, to, to educate. So I'd say you know. Get, getting online is one one step, and then there's also obviously we want to still meet in person. We're not quite there yet for all virtual communications. Yeah, well, one of the things that I, I you know I always tell people is you know talking about VR or AR 
is you know is paramount to, to try to teach somebody about what the color red looks like to a blind person. It, it's impossible to dis, to describe it. Um, you kind of have to try it. And so you know we run workshops where we show everybody you know here's VR, here's AR, here's Magic Leap and Hololens, and here's all the different glasses. Here's a pair of North glasses. Here's here's all the hardware. Here's the different problems that are can be solved with each one of them. And then kind of go from there as to how do you think this can be used for your enterprise. So I think, you know, being able to be person to person and show people, unfortunately, there's no, there's no uh, advertising campaign for VR yet that, uh, you know, in enterprise anyway. Yeah. It's still hand to hand combat. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, just listening to you say all those devices, I'm thinking it is quite intimidating. I think most people think yeah. it's overwhelming and intimidating. And so I'm not surprised that, you know, we the clients and, and, and consumers in general are kind of like, Oh my God, what do I do with all of this stuff and with all the jargon and the VR and the AR and the XR. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to our space kind of figuring out how to have less fragmentation, more fluidity, simplification. I think as we start to, you know, make the technology less technical and it becomes a bit easier, more accessible for people to to try some of these experiences. There'll be a tipping point at some, you know, at some point, and and I think that's when we'll start to really see the, the space, like you know, skyrocket. Um, All right. So so hold on. I'm going to stop you right there. You know, I, and I don't ask this. I'm going to start asking this as a regular question. When do you think that tipping point is going to be? I'd say. Three to five years, maybe five years. Um, yeah. What do you, when you say tipping point? What does that actually mean? When, like, is this when you know we go to uh, you know a billion people using VR and AR on a regular basis, or you know what is kind of the your measurement of around that? So my measurement is like, I'd say where maybe maybe the closest five years out would be where the mobile industry is now. Maybe ten years out would okay. be where the social social is where you can't not partake. Um, so five years out, uh, I mean, the mobile space is still somewhat optional. Not every brand or company has figured out how to have their, even their website like mobile accessible, you know? Um, where Yes, but yeah. it's becoming more and yeah. more necessary. Exactly. You know, I remember when, when being social was optional, you know, like, should I have a Facebook page? <laughs> Now, if, if you don't have some sort of social page, somebody else will have created it for you, right? Yeah, that's pretty much like, true. If you're not on Facebook yourself, somebody else will have created it, and that's not always a good thing. So um, most companies have some engagement in the social space, whether it be Twitter or, or, or Facebook. So I'd say that 10 years out where this will be a, a, a space that you have to be engaged. Now, whether it will be called immersive VR, AR, or whether it will just have another name and it will be experiential. Spatial computing, yeah. maybe. Who knows what it will be called. Um, but at the core of it, you you said it earlier, was this, think about a 3D model and think about, you know, when the web first launched, it was text-based. Then suddenly yeah. people started using photography. And now video is very commonplace. And at some point once again, especially for retail, if you do not have a 3D model of your product or real estate, if you don't let me, you know, explore your property in 3D, um, 
you're you're going to be like you know inferior <laughs> you're not going to be part of you're you're going to look outdated and and gone so that shift um you know like right now if you go to a website and it's all text you're thinking what are they stuck in 19 you know 90 you know <laughs> so yeah. that's that we're going to we're going to be seeing that um and whether that's you know probably 5 to 10 years um is is where i would be guessing so let's let's um, let's talk about the kind of the uh, the outlier here and the the one that is kind of on everybody's mind: Apple glasses. Yeah. What What do you think? Because I, I heard I interviewed somebody from um, from one of the big telcos, and they gave me a timeline that was way sooner than I had ever anticipated. <clears throat> and I mean, you know, they don't know either specifically, but. What are your thoughts around, you know, Apple Glasses? Because Apple uh, hired over a thousand AR developers in the last kind of five years, and they're all in on AR. Tim Cook has, you know, been on record saying AR is the future of computing. So, if Apple's going to release a pair of glasses, who we don't know what they're going to look like and you know what they're going to do, but what timeline do you think is that? You know, within a year, two years, five years, ten years? So, I my answer to that one is I don't know the answer when I, I don't know the timeline around Apple. I know I've heard they're releasing glasses. I think everybody is excited, and some people are concerned, depending if they're. Um, if you look at the the history of Apple, they obviously have massive success in terms of consumer adoption. But, you know, that being said, even if it's an amazing product, we're still at the nice to have phase. So what we don't want is, you know, the glasses to be um, just considered a wearable, like the the Apple Watch, which, you know, is nice. People have that, but it didn't transform the industry. So what I'd say is I'm cautiously optimistic, but I don't think um, at this point, I have not seen glasses. I don't really know what they tell. I, I'd be blown over if if the just the glasses in the next year or two um sort of massively change the space i think a lot more has to happen be, beyond just one device i, I agree i think yeah. developers also have to start to learn how to develop in 3d and yes. you know that's there you know if you look back to the the smartphone the iphone the iphone one it was about 12, 11 years ago now and app developer wasn't a job that wasn't something, you know, there was no app developers. Now there's millions of app developers. So they, they took a decade to build this ecosystem. And now with AR Core and AR Kit, AR Core being Google's foundational framework for augmented reality and AR Kit being Apple's, they're really kind of giving people that first uh, ability to program in three dimensions. But that's, I mean, we're only, you know, there's only maybe, I don't know, a couple hundred AR programs in the world on iOS right now. So that needs to be in the tens of thousands before it would even be useful. Yeah, yeah. And this idea, you know, that there weren't app developers. I, I believe that for this space to be successful, there's a new breed of, of uh, talent that's required, which is thinking, how do you orchestrate the physical digital experience? It's not quite a, you know, architect. It's not a uh, experiential marketing as we know it in terms of, you know, retail store-based marketing. It's the ability to sort of, seamlessly blend digital immersive experiences into the physical world and space. And if you talk to clients about that, or if you look at companies, there's very limited talent right now in that area, in that ability to sort of think 
in that that sort of digital integrated into physical way. And that is where we're going to succeed. I think when we figure That's out- That's some pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm interviewing Matt um, Matt from 6D AI today, actually, on the show. Oh, that's, that's so, great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. The, the, there's a company, and for people listening, they've created a, a, a back-end system that allows you with your phone to start programming uh, cloud meshes of the real world. So it's using the regular camera on your phone to put a point cloud map around the world and create real augmented reality that uses the world in context. So imagine if your Pokemon Go could hide behind cars and people. You know, that's the easiest way to think about it. And that's uh, that's what they're building. It's really exciting. Yeah, the, the, lots of terms for that, right? The AR cloud, mirror world. There's all these ideas around how do we yeah, map the physical to the, the digital world in, in a way that, yeah, supports that that connectivity um that seamless integration um synchronicity which yeah that those those type of companies um are going to be changing the world so that's that's awesome that you're you're connecting a quick question before we end what problem in the world do you want to see solved with xr technologies a lot of uh, discussion we're having right now is on the ethics, uh, the ethics in in terms of sensible, smart thinking on how we handle data and privacy. And I don't think that was has been solved for yet uh, in a way that um, that that is transparent and that people understand uh, this is the data I'm providing and this is how it's being used. I'm hoping, you know, this space that we're moving into is so personal and so sensitive that we have to get it right. The If we don't get it right, the potential uh, negative, um, uh, the, the, the potential negative. The consequences, is, the consequences are very, very yes. real. So I, I think that figuring out um, except things like accessibility, um and privacy and ethics, uh, in a way, in the in the space, to me that I'm I'm really interested in and in trying to figure that out and not take a sort of passive um, stance to that because I think we have seen the consequences of not being more proactive in terms of how we handle um, technology and, and experiences connected to it. So that's what I'm I'm really interested in, in solving for. I want to thank you so much for for joining me. Um, it's been an amazing, amazing conversation. So thank you very much, Rory. And thank you for listening. This has been the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. This podcast was another amazing example of how XR technologies are revolutionizing business across every industry. To learn more about Rory and Accenture Interactive, visit Accenture.com or Google Accenture Interactive. And you can follow Rory on Twitter, Rory Duboff, R-O-R-I-D-U-B-O-F-F. I want to thank our sponsor, Metaverse, and remind listeners that if you're interested in booking a free consultation on how your company can leverage the power of XR, please connect with us at metaverse.com, M-E-T-A-V-R-S-E.com. Rory, thank you so much. Thank you.